the just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. For me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. I'm Frank, and I'm not a big fan of BJ's Wholesale Club super low gas prices. I don't trust things that low. Started in 92. Big office Christmas party. Come on, join the limbo line. Now I see a chiropractor. So, no, BJ's, I don't want super low gas prices. Okay, then. But if you'd like super low gas prices and a $40 digital BJ's gift card, join the new BJ's Wholesale Club, opening soon in New Albany. Visit BJ's.com slash New Albany or the BJ's Membership Center on North Hamilton Road. Limited time offer, new members only. IPMNation.com My uh, cohort, John Hopwood, is here. How are you, sir? Fine. And we are uh, interviewing Mr. Aaron Day. He is a candidate for governor of New Hampshire. How are you, Aaron? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. It's been a, been quite a while since I've seen you. Yep. Um, now, and you are uh, running as a libertarian? I am running as a libertarian, yes. Okay, very good. And what made you decide to jump in the race? Uh, it really was the results of this legislative session. Uh, I've been a political activist for the last five years or so and have been primarily focused on financial issues, fiscal issues like Obamacare, et cetera. Yeah. And, uh, you know, have been fighting that pretty extensively, which is in part why I ran for U.S. Senate in, in 2016. But I had some high expectations that, you know, with Republican majorities, they were actually going to address some of the fundamental issues that we have in terms of our budget and in terms of, you know, repealing this Obamacare Medicaid expansion. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to not be the case. And in fact, is, you know, again, it's the worst legislative session since I've, I've lived here. And so I've kind of given up on the Republican Party. You know, I thought I've been a libertarian since 1995. I actually tried to join the Libertarian Party way back then. I you know, <laughs> sent in my card and everything. I'm still waiting for my newsletter. And, and so the Libertarian Party hasn't necessarily had its, its act together. And yeah. so I, I'm more interested in trying to achieve liberty than necessarily be a part of a, you know, a fringe movement. Right. But at this point, the Republican Party has just completely lost its way. And I'm not seeing any path forward with the Republican Party. Okay, so you're you're a full on libertarian. I am a full on full on libertarian. Yeah. Um, what you've run for office before? Yeah. Were Were you a Republican then, running as a Republican then, or no? I was an independent last time. Okay. Okay. Well, last time you ran for, did you run for governor before? I ran for U.S. Senate. You ran for Senate. That's right. Yes. Against it was uh, Kelly Ayotte. Kelly Ayotte and Maggie Hassan. And yeah. in fact, I mean, that was a whole situation. Again, this all goes back to Medicaid expansion mm -hmm. and goes back to 2013. You know, I, I was part of a group of about 12 activists that were trying to, you know, work with Jeb Bradley and everybody else to try to come up with a game plan to unify the party. And so we had a series of six meetings. Yeah. And we agreed that opposition to Obamacare is the one area where we should have mutual agreement. Well, it just so happened during that time, the Republicans in the Senate, the minority Republicans in the Senate, passed Obamacare Medicaid expansion. Right. So completely against the kind of spirit and the sense of what was going on within the party and within the different factions within the party. Yeah. So at that point, I had actually I recruited candidates, five candidates to primary sitting, you know, Republican senators, you know, we and we picked up a couple of seats there. 
And then I, in, in the state senate, in, in the New Hampshire state, state, state senate, senate because yeah. that's where the all the bad activity happened. Okay. And then in 2014, I, I formed a super PAC called Stark 360, mm-hmm. and we raised a bunch of money. The goal being to get enough candidates elected to elect Bill O'Brien as speaker to yeah. repeal Medicaid expansion. Well, we got the we we got 76 people elected. We we had the votes. Bill O'Brien didn't do himself any favors in that process. But what we learned is that John H. Sununu and Kelly Ayotte actually intervened in that speaker's race and were whipping votes. One of the candidates for speaker was actually told, you need to drop out of the race. We need Sean Jasper to be the speaker so that we can clear this path for Kelly to get reelected. And so what I said is, look, if if this party is being run from the top down by the Sununus, by a political dynasty and by Kelly Ayotte in her career path, if they're going to go against what's in the best interest of the state and what's in the party platform – then I guess the only way to change their view is to actually go directly after their self-interest. Mm. And so I said, I'm going to run this independent slate. We actually ran candidates for U.S. Senate, CD1, CD2, and I attempted to you know, run, run a candidate for, uh, for governor who turned out to not you know, be on the ballot or have ballot access. Okay. And it turns out all three of our candidates, myself included, were the margin of difference that cost the Republicans all three of those seats. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Um, but it still didn't matter. Because, you know, so you would think even with that, in that Senate race, the Republicans lost $80 million. It was the biggest loss for the Republican Party in the country. And they're unfazed. And and Sununu (laughs) remains arrogant and thinks that, you know, he's just going to walk on board. He had a a group of 40 activists in a room and basically told them, well, you know, you may not like me on this policy or that policy, but you need to vote for me anyway, because we might lose control of the House and we might lose control of the Senate. Now we talk about Chris Sununu, the Chris governor, Sununu. rather than John, the father, who, you know. Well, and he's, right. he, I mean, he's, inv- he's involved. Sure. He's like a kingmaker. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. A kingmaker, yeah. yeah. But, you know, the, the truth is, and, you know, and I came here as part of the Free State Project. Yep. And, you know, right. we, we, we moved here and, and uh, you know, my kids just turned eight. You know, if you don't mind, I'd like to say hi sure, to Ari tomorrow. They'll be listening tomorrow. <laughs> but, I mean, we came here because this was, you know, before we moved here, the freest state in the country. And, yeah. and we thought this would be a great place to raise a family and then to get involved in this political mess and realize we've only got about 10 years left. If we don't course correct, we're in big trouble. I, you know, I don't know if you know this, 30% of New Hampshire's entire budget is now from the federal government for Medicaid. Okay. And... Republicans started basically stealing federal matching money from from Medicaid to cover the state budget issues that had nothing to do with health care. Okay. Yeah. So so in 1991, Judd Gregg was governor. Mm-hmm. We had a 35 million dollar budget deficit, and he wanted to run for U.S. Senate. Well, you know, one thing there are two things you could do in that scenario. You could pass an income tax or a sales tax, which I'm, I'm against. Yeah, of course. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, or you could cut spending. Well, he decided with his friend, John H. Sununu, who is the you know chief of staff for George H.W. Bush, they found mm-hmm. a federal loophole where they could take matching money from Medicaid and, and divert it to the general fund. Okay. And so, I mean, the way I look at this is, frankly, it's stealing money from children. I mean, you basically had two choices. You could have a tax or you could steal money from children. So just to be clear, by diverting it to the general fund, then in theory, you do whatever you want with it because it's in the general fund. That's exactly right. And that's exactly what they did. And that's exactly what they have continued to do to the tune of billions of dollars in this state. And then it's become a trend. Uh, We were like the leaders in this. Uh, I understand that. It, that type of creative accounting even goes down to municipalities and stuff where 
federal monies uh, are often tapped or diverted. Yeah, they they are. Yeah. Yeah. They are. And then everybody says, well, you know, we're just getting back our fair share. But when when you have $21 trillion in debt, when you're running half a trillion to a trillion dollar deficits every year and where Medicaid, Medicare and Social Security, the biggest component of that, that money, that debt will have to be repaid by future generations, which is why I say literally they're stealing money from children. Mm-hmm. And then Judd Gray goes on to call himself a self-described skin flint and fiscal conservative. <laughs> and I got to the point where as I started studying this and then looking at Medicaid expansion and then how this plays in with the hospitals and everything else, I'm like this is ridiculous. Everybody in this state is less healthy and less wealthy as a result of the way both of these parties have manipulated this. Gene Shaheen destroyed the insurance market. And so at this point, you know, what did we have? We had double-digit premium increases. We have very few choices for, for medical services. It's mostly these nonprofit hospitals. Yeah. We had a situation a few years ago where Cancer Treatment Centers of America wanted to, to move in and provide an innovative service. And the Certificate of Need Board said, no, you can't, you can't come in. Well, Why? Well, here's how it works. These nonprofit hospitals are, are the only ones that are eligible for these medic, federal Medicaid matching grants, uh, but they don't make money on the deal. In fact, the hospitals have been you know, screwed over, frankly, you know, as well, because it's, the, the politicians have been taking money that they are supposed to be using to pay these health care costs, and they're, and they're diverting it. So it actually puts pressure on the hospitals. So if somebody yeah. comes in with a new service and they say, hey, look, we're not going to take Medicaid, then the hospitals say, well, we're going to lose even more money. We can't do that. You need to protect us. So as a result, as citizens of New Hampshire, we now don't have the benefit of Cancer Treatment Centers of America and who knows how many other types of innovative healthcare services. So, I mean, it's just it's on and on and on. We should probably talk about um, your background a little bit because you you know something about healthcare and 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 so forth. And, we, you know, we haven't really mentioned that. But I mean, just kind of get a little bit of your resume out there at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I started my first company when I was 19. It was an internet company, sold that in 2001, and then I got into a healthcare space, and I created a company that, uh, you know, helped companies implement wellness programs that incented people to to improve their health. Very successful company, profitable. We were in 43 states, and it was systematically dismantled by three things, by Obamacare, by Dodd-Frank, and and frankly, by an overzealous attorney general, Eric Holder at the time. Mm. And so I guess hell hath no fury like an entrepreneur scorned. I mean, that that <laughs> yeah. kind of got me fully into activism because there was, the, you know, this wasn't a situation where I was targeted. Like it's, the, the government didn't say we're going to go after Aaron's company. This yeah. is just, these are the unintended consequences of what bureaucrats do. And they've done it to, you know, not only me, but, you know, countless other entrepreneurs. Sure. And, so, and so when I found out that Republicans in New Hampshire were leading the charge to expand Obamacare, Medicaid, I thought, you know, am I in the twilight zone here? And I've subsequently figured out why, and I figured out kind of all of the details, and I can no longer be a Republican. And in fact, when I, when I talk to people about it, I've written some articles about it, I'm like, you know, I just, I don't know how you can do it. Once mm-hmm. you know this information, I don't know how you can remain a Republican, given the, the nature of the way that they've essentially been stealing money from children, lying about it, and then calling themselves fiscally conservative. Well, I feel like fiscal conservatism, though, as a concept, as a principle, is kind of dead anyway. I mean, we have a Republican Party, which, you know, you, when you look at what they've done in Washington uh, in terms of this new budget, you know, I mean, it, it, Dick Cheney said it back when uh, W was in there, deficits don't matter, you know, don't worry about it. And I've, I really feel like that's uh, that's kind of the attitude now. Um, didn't Chris Sununu uh, say something uh, at a hearing about... Uh, 
you know, worrying about how much things cost, that's kind of the old way of doing things. Now you just spend the money and, and you know, you figure out, you figure America it out later. America is a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. Well, it's well, true. He yeah. said that during the Marcy's Law thing. I mean, that, that's, what exactly it, right. that's what it was. Yep. He, he did. Yeah. And, and what's, what's sad about this is that historically it's not true. There's an economist named Martin Armstrong who, who actually uh, is a fascinating guy. There's a movie about him called The Forecaster. He ended up spending seven years in jail for contempt because he wouldn't give the judge who had ties to Goldman Sachs, uh, his, his computer that had his <laughs> forecasting model What judge on it. doesn't? Well, <laughs> well yeah, I, I, I know. Supreme Court. <laughs> that, uh, That's me, the Democrats. Tell me about it. But, but his thing is he put, all the, he put these models together by analyzing coins. He actually had 250 people that would actually go out and acquire historical coins going back 6,000 years. He would get the pricing, uh, prices of currencies throughout time and throughout history, and he came up with these models. And what he said is, look, this is the same story. Over and over and over again, from civilization to civilization, nation to nation. Like the Tudors in England, the inflation was incredible, but that's the that's the beginnings of capitalism, you know, they say, in Europe. Mm. Well, but other people have it. But, I mean, yeah. the Tudor, the coin. when you're talking about coinage, like you can see the coins with Henry VIII, and then the nose on a silver coin is copper. Right. And the Tudor is uh, uh, Henry and then uh, Elizabeth the first. Yeah. They debased yeah. uh, the coinage. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, the Inflation. Inflation that's, was that's incredible. It's, and yeah. it's like that with all of the coins right. in every scenario. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I lived through where, when I was a kid, I was born in 1959, when 64, the last silver coins, and we'd take the 65 coins, which are cupro nickel, and you'd turn them on there at the edge because you could see at, the, at that time the copper in them. And yep. then you'd keep the silver. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. You know, and 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 so and so the pattern goes, you know, the 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 people in charge, bread and circus, they buy off the buy votes essentially, and eventually, yeah. eventually they either go bankrupt or or they end up in war because and, they end right. up having to fight over resources. That is that's the plan. We don't deviate from that plan. What we're doing right. Right, when Sununu says, "Well, we're we're beyond having to worry about money," no, we're not. There's nothing <laughs> different about this situation. Yeah. Don't we have a, a big surplus, though? Doesn't the state? This is something I've never understood. Doesn't the state have a big budget surplus? That accounting, math. like a like a, a rainy day fund or something that we uh, just that because I remember hearing the number yeah. once and thinking that's a big number. Government accounting is uh, there's different types of government accounting, yeah. including the federal government, which is bound by really nothing. Uh, but. It, uh, and they always say if the federal government used the uh, you know the generally agreed uh, uh, accounting principles, everybody be in jail. <laughs> right. But states, yeah. governments have their own accounting. Yeah, an yeah. accountant can make a lot of things happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, they can make a lot yeah. of things, but there's a meager, very meager rainy day fund compared to the biggest financial problem that we have, which is 5.5 billion dollars of unfunded pension liability. Ah, uh, yes. So, so that's the issue. So for me, it's about we have to cut spending, we have to repeal Medicaid expansion, and we have to fix the pension system. And, and again, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, you just hate government. This isn't about hating government. This is about basic fairness. I remember when I was growing up, if you, if you had a job in government, there, this was a, there was a service component to it. Yeah. You made less money. That was kind of the yes. expectation. Yeah. We have a situation now, if I'm not mistaken, the largest pension right now goes to the head of the pension fund. <laughs> I believe it's, I believe it's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Well, so the next question is, well, how much? You know, what is the salary for right. that position? Yeah. You can't find out wow. because of the kind of organization it is. They don't disclose what this person's salary is. Well, you know, like detectives are retiring now uh, in New Hampshire, 
I'm not talking about even a chief, and they're getting $130,000 a year or something. And I'm thinking, geez, it's like a four-star general's pension. Oh, yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. But one thing with the, the Supreme Court decision now, which is going to change public sector unions because it's going to let people opt out. My God, oh, you yeah. know. The, the right to work decision. But how is yeah. that going to affect the funding of pensions and by states? Is that, isn't it true Illinois is in a crisis? Well, Ill, 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 Illinois is in a crisis. California is in a crisis. Yeah. I mean, what's going on here? Is no different than what's going on in Europe. With but gr- th- we don't talk about it here. No, we don't. They talk about it in California. They talk about it in Illinois. They don't talk about it here. No, we we hide here. And Everything. Yeah. And, and this is this is why I'm running I, on yeah. these very specific issues. And the, the you know the governor here is not a. This is a hard thing. I talk to a lot of voters, and they're like they assume that you have presidential powers. They view the governor as kind of like right. they view a president. Right. We have a very weak governor. Yes. Uh, in terms of what you can do. But we do have veto power. And I plan on using that very explicitly and openly, you know, up front to try to get, secure a mandate so that yeah. we can we can address these big issues. Yeah, because we have the executive council. So obviously, the, you know, our, our governor, it's, it's a constitutionally weak uh, office. Well, yeah, can't even um, pick can't even pick your own cabinet. I mean, the right. AG you know, stuck with this AG for four years, right? I mean, so right. it's, it's so so you know, so people that you know come to you say, well, can I help you with this? So, you know, I want to actually say to them, well, no, I actually can't help you with this. But more importantly, I talk to a lot of people. We have a, a serious issue with um, with corruption and transparency. We're, we're, oh, we we rank yeah. in the we rank in the bottom five. This is a big issue of mine, and we don't have any whistleblower law, but that's another thing. Transparency, the bottom five. We're with like the Clintons, Arkansas, Mississippi. It's just shocking because I was gone for 32 years. I was here, grew up here, then after high school, went to college in Boston, then Army, and spent most of my adult life in California. Then you come back here. I I found it's shocking, shocking. Shocking, the lack of yeah. transparency and the corruption. But what's even more shocking is nobody talks about anything. Right. Nothing. Well, sometimes yeah. when you do, you get sued. That's a whole other <laughs> Let's not talk about That's that. Because you're not the only uh, one. <laughs> yeah, other no, no, thing, no. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yes, um, it's called the strategic lawsuit against public participation, but we don't want to talk about right. that. Right. Yeah. So we have a, uh, because we're doing this uh, Thursday night via Facebook Live, we do have a uh, question in the Facebook Live chat. Uh, would you veto a bill supported by 80% of the people based on your feeling on the bill, or would you pass it? So if 80% of the people are... Uh, like for what? Are, uh, it, 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 it's not a specific issue. Just I guess just broadly, if 80% of the people supported something, would you still uh, would you still kill it if you didn't agree with it? Well, well, let, well let's take the expansion under the Affordable Care Act. We'll use that. It, well, I mean, I'm running explicitly. So let me give you a little framework of, of how I view things. Yeah. First and foremost, if you give me a budget that increases the size of government, I'm going to veto it. Period. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the next piece. And this is the heavy use of the veto power. If you don't give me bills to repeal Medicaid expansion and to move the pension system from defined benefit to defined contribution, I'll veto every other bill that gets in front of my desk. Wow. Okay. Because, again, no one is addressing these problems. I'm saying it now. You're going to see it. Everybody who hears me on this campaign is going to hear that. That is it. Yeah. But beyond that, I've got a process for how I'm going to view everything else, which is I believe we need to restore power and money back to the people. Fundamentally, that is a huge issue. So, you know, I will be inclined to sign bills that give people their money back, give Mm -hmm. people their rights back. And, you know, and with respect to social issues, I I think we need to stop adding protected classes and move to to focusing on individual rights, because this is something politicians do. 
Politicians create special interest groups, and they protect and they create protected classes to pit us against each other. I mean, I view the two parties as collections of these special interests and protected classes. That and all that happens when you put those laws is is you divide people further. So we need to go back to protecting the most important majority of all, which is the individual or minority of all, the mm-hmm. individual, and, and, and focus that way instead of creating, you know, more meal tickets for lawyers. Thoreau, a majority of one. Yeah. yeah. No, when you were talking about that, if, you're, if you believe you're right and your neighbors are all against you, you're a majority of one. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, yeah. But again, I'm laying out these principles so that, so that the voters are going to know advance. I mean, you, yeah. may, you may think I'm nuts and you may not like that, and then you know, obviously you won't vote for me, but you're going to know with absolute certainty how I'm going to handle issues. So now, as far as uh, social issues, so is there anything that, um, I mean, you probably, I would assume as a libertarian, you don't want to get involved in in social issues at all, right? You don't want the government involved in any kind of... Uh... No, I, I don't want the government involved. And you know what? I got to tell you, I've talked to and I've worked with some social conservative groups. And, and this is the thing that I, there's a matter of tone and, and discussion and everything else. I mean, I, I've worked with Cornerstone on stopping the funding of Planned Parenthood, for example. I, I think that there's an opportunity to work with the social conservatives to get the government out of these things entirely. I actually think there's consensus there. And I think yeah. sometimes people, you know, start labeling and throwing names around and calling people bigots because they hold these particular views. But I, I actually think there's a big win to get government out of marriage and to get government altogether out of these institutions. Yeah. So if I'm elected as a libertarian, then, you know, this is a huge opportunity for us to actually move these social things in that direction. Right. And just get the government out of it. And I, I think... There's wider agreement around that than I think people might assume. Right. Uh, If you are uh, watching via Facebook Live on Thursday night, we can uh, take live calls. Obviously not if you're listening on Friday. But uh, give us a call uh, in the next little bit, 603-250-6007. 603-250-6007. And um, so, I mean, in terms of obviously you're going to get a lot of pushback from people about – about scaling back the, the Medicaid expansion. I mean, what, what do you do? Uh, have you had to answer any questions yet or discuss with anybody about um, alternatives for people who are potentially going to lose their health care if you do that? Uh, well, well, I am, and that, that's a bigger part. And I'm working on some other things, some nonprofits. What, so there's this one aspect of this of th- th- this is what I can do as governor. But as I'm going around the state, the thing that I want to do is I want to recruit people to get involved in activism to come up with voluntary solutions and to mm-hmm. help provide training to make them more effective activists. Because I, I, I really think that there's a big opportunity here. With Medicaid expansion, though, Medicaid expansion is the idea that it's really helping people is, is a pretty big myth. This expanded part of it, a lot of the people that are taking advantage of that are single, young, able-bodied people. This is This is a situation where... You know, we're kind of creating a mountain, we're making a mountain out of a molehill. But the other issue is it's the politicians have used the opioid crisis as the justification for it. And I've got to tell you, the money that's being spent, Medicaid is the largest distributor of prescription opioids. <laughs> I mean, talk about manufacturing a problem and then putting together an ineffective solution for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the thing that I, I've I've called on and I've stated things about treatment centers and are they effective or not. And there have been reports in NHPR. There was uh, Serenity Place here. Yep. Time and time again, you have situations where uh, financial mismanagement, right. you know, accusations of are they selling drugs on the premises and everything else. But there's another component to this that I think is really important because the way Medicaid decides, Medicaid decides and they put a lot of red tape around how you can spend the money. 
And so they'll say you can only spend money on treatment, but it has to be this type of treatment that they call evidence-based. Okay. But right. the reality is there is no evidence that these things work. What we actually need is experimentation, not subsidizing something that hasn't actually proven to solve the problem. So we need to innovate. We need to try new things. Uh, but every time I see something, it's like this federal $23 million grant. What are they doing? It's You can only use it to buy drugs. You can only use it for Suboxone, mm -hmm. for um, Narcan, right. and for uh, the other one is um, method. I think methadone or, methadone, or some yeah. version of that. I, I, I've heard a lot of people and I've yeah. seen a lot of complaints about whether that actually works. And, right. and you but, know, it's just another crony deal. Mm. Yeah. After the show, I can tell you something about that because <laughs> there are clinics people you know it's an industry and this i we're seeing a new industry being created i'm just saying that without any judgment but when i was knocking on doors to not this municipal election but the one in 2015 what people were asking me was where's the money go you know but no it probably was 2017 where's the money going our tax dollars for all these drug rehabs because we don't know where it's going Oh, and we don't know, you know, we have, well, we, well, the we accountability. Don't. Uh, we don't. Hang on, and, guys. We, uh, and, <laughs> and whether it's effective. We have a call. But we see an industry being built in front of our eyes. Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's on the line? It's Jenny. Hey, Jenny. What's hey. You, what you got? So I just wanted to ask a question for clarity. Um, and I was the one that was trying to ask the question. Mm. Um, Mr. Day had made a comment that he's, specifically running on two very important issues to him. He wants to roll back the expansion on Medicaid, and he wants to change the way the pension plan is. And those are the bills that he would want to see if he was governor. But then I want to clarify, did you say that if you are not presented with bills that change Medicaid and the pension plan, you will veto all other bills until you are? Yep. Okay. Do you realize the harm that can do? Well, I realize that I'm running. I'm stating what I'm running on, and if I win, I've, I've got a mandate. And I and I think if I'm given that mandate, I think the the legislature. I mean, again, the, the odds of a libertarian candidate winning. But I mean, if I've spelled this out, then you know, I, I think they would be kind of obliged to follow the mandate that I've been given. I understand. Right. I, I understand. Isn't it the same thing? You're picking two special interests. Things, they're not special interests. And These are you're putting them above everything else, just like the complaint you have about other politicians having special interests. You've chosen these two particular issues, though our state has plenty. I mean, you can pick a ton of different issues. You've chosen those two particular issues. And if you're saying that you're going to veto every other bill unless you get to deal with those, I, and I'll tell then you, you're going to hurt people. I, I will tell you why. I, I won't hurt people because I will actually get these issues addressed. These issues are existential threats to the solvency and sovereignty of the state. This isn't a special interest or a pet project bill. If we don't address these two issues, we're going to be broke. But you're going to be presented with bills that have to do with incarceration with bills that have to do with um uh the privacy of a rape victim i mean you're talking about vetoing bills that literally can affect other people's lives in very very negative ways right I mean, uh, well, you're gonna you're gonna veto those bills if you don't get your two special interests I, I think that's a pretty broad statement to be making i think you should be judging bills each on its own merit 
I I mean, if something's political and you want to veto it because it's political because of these issues, because we all know politicians play games like that, fine. But messing around with people's lives just because you didn't get your two issues? But my two issues... I gotta tell you, buddy, that one really crawls up my spine the wrong way. My two issues affect everybody, and I'm telling you right now, because of the lack of attention to this, because of the cronyism on both parties, we have less than 10 years left. So literally, if I don't know any other way because right now the Republican majorities have made these problems worse. We, I certainly have no expectation that the Democrats, I, no one's even talking about addressing these issues. Mm. We have 10 years left. It's like we've been talking about with this 6,000-year analysis of currency prices and debasement of currencies. Let me this let you is, guys go and get into that, but I, thank I, you for right, the, um, I, answering that that was what was my confusion i just wanted to clarify that thank all right you. jenny thank you for the call Thanks. okay um and when you say we have 10 years left what do you mean exactly 10 years until we're broke essentially i, I mean you know essentially 10 years until we're broke i mean what, yeah. what's happened when you look at in 1991 when metascam was passed from then until now we have increased spending at 30 times the rate of population growth Wow. The budget has gone from, you know, roughly 600 million to 6 billion in that time frame. We're talking about New Hampshire? We're talking about New Hampshire. Wow. And, 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 no, and again, pe- people aren't aware of this. It's just, you No, know, that's they, staggering. That's, you know, <laughs> do you know what the uh, Massachusetts budget was in 1972 or 73? Because I remember watching it, Francis Sargent, $2 billion. Now there are cities. Uh, and not big cities. Right. Like $2 billion <laughs> budgets. Oh, yeah. Because that wouldn't do, what would that pay for in New York? A, a day? Right. <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah, when you're saying that, it is incredible, incredible how much everything's mushroomed. Oh, yeah. Except my, uh, and my 4.5% uh, my savings account's long gone. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, your savings yeah. account didn't increase like that. Your 401k didn't. Your salaries this didn't. This is before 401k. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, that's actually what we're talking about here. This is so Conservatism, you know, you know, yeah, because I used to write about in the 90s about, uh, you know, investing and about the government and about... Pensions. That was when the shift from the defined uh, benefit was going to the defined contribution. And it's just amazing what the assumptions of a sane policy was then and what it is, not, what it is now, which is you're in a casino, you know? Well, you're in a casino. And again, High stakes and, casino. And you have the governor saying we're post- right needing to worry about money. And yes, is this a strong position? It absolutely is. But, you know, we actually need a turnaround CEO. The The governor doesn't really have that kind of authority, except right. I'm going to leverage the little authority that I have. Which the is the veto power yeah. Yeah. to do that. Yeah. And is it going to be controversial? Absolutely, it's going to be controversial. I, I expect... Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. The Just Because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning. 
and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. You know, I wouldn't expect anything less than it being very controversial, but I hope it at least at a minimum stimulates a conversation and gets people to start focusing on these issues. Kind of like your reaction. Wow. We've, we've, you know, outspent 30 times, you know, right. the, I, that's unbelievable. I didn't know that. Most people don't know that. Not, they're, 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 no. they're, they're, you know, limited to, you know, kind of a five-year window and things seem like they're kind of the same. And, and it turns out it all added up and now, you know, we've hit a cliff and we have the second oldest population. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the, in, in the country. I and, didn't know that either. <laughs> and so, and so, so this is the thing, the demographics here. It, so if you're going to run your thing as a Ponzi scheme, it's not real good when right. you're the second oldest state. So this right. is why, so, because the assumption was for when you got older, <coughs> just a four percent return, a conservative thing, because you can't lose the money. But it's like I'm talking to Matt. I'm, I'm older than both of you. It's just I can't believe the personal debt mm-hmm. that people that this society now lets people take on mm-hmm. and. You know, Japan was in a depression for over 10 years. Oh, yeah. Because it had similar, similar situation. Yeah. And, yeah. But everybody tells us it's all <laughs> blue skies tomorrow. Yeah, you know. You just print, just print more money. It's not even fine. print more money. <laughs> well, that's what the federal it's government more, does. We don't yeah. even need money now, right? <laughs> we don't need money. But anybody, get... bring everybody into the country who, everything, you know. <laughs> it's like one massive credit card. And it's gone mad now. Well, I mean, like but, but but you yeah. have you have people here that are, you know that talk about you know secession. You see what's going on in California and everything else. Well, I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, the NH exit movement. Oh, I'm yeah. ready to go Cal exit myself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are, is that something that you're interested in or support in in any way? Or I, it's certainly something I want. I mean, I'm not running on that. But but to be honest, yeah, I think protecting our sovereignty and solvency is key. And one of the things I want to avoid is this situation where. So what's going to happen now? Thirty percent of our budget is tied to Medicaid. Now, when California goes bust, when Illinois goes bust, and they go to hand the collection plate around, we're not exactly in a position where we can say, well, no, you know, we don't really want to participate because now we have 30% of our budget tied to this. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is 30% from almost zero in 1991. So for anybody yeah. that is listening that's interested in the, in, in the independence movement, yeah. which I'm interested in being in, able to do that if we need to do that. This is a serious problem, and we have to address it. We can't sit here and say, well, you know, yeah, we're positioning ourselves for this, but while becoming, you know, more and more and more dependent upon the federal government. And just to clarify for people, when we talk about the independence movement or NHX, that's literally like leaving the country and becoming our own country, essentially. But 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 it sounds like you're saying, just to clarify, you're not advocating for that, but you're not necessarily opposed to it if we have to. Yeah, I'm not advocating. I'm not running on that. Okay. But, but but I would. I am running on positioning us to be solvent and to maintain our sovereignty. And yeah. if the rest of the country gets out of whack, that you know we preserve the ability to be able to do that and to not just fall apart. Yeah. Because other places in the country have have you know run out of control. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Um, I want to kind of circle back to it a little bit just, just because it's, um, I, I almost get depressed talking about it, but, but it is such a big issue because you, you touched on it, the opioid crisis. Um, I mean, do you have, uh, additional thoughts about what to do about the, the heroin epidemic and so far, I guess now it's, now we're in this thing where it's transitioning to, I guess, fentanyl is the new thing or is it fentanyl or is it something like fentanyl, but it's not whatever the new thing is now. It was Geritol back in 1972. <laughs> well, yeah. actually, Senator Mike Gravel, I, I found an old Playboy magazine, which, you know, was more, you know, was biggest magazine, uh, not Reader's Digest. Gravel from Alaska? Yeah. Yeah. And he, he has an article about the, the heroin crisis, the big dope crisis of the Nixon the, uh, as Vietnam's winding down. And they, they're saying, well, you know, watching those ads for Geritol, I guess on Lawrence Welk, which I had to, I was forced to, my grandmother Me came too. over, and aspirin, <laughs> that's going to encourage people to take heroin. Yeah. And maybe it's a little more sophisticated argument now, but I've seen plenty of drug plagues, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And it always seems to be a justification let's throw more money at it oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. throw more police, military, whatever. Right. Put more people but, in prison. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I'd like to see a couple of things. I mean, first of all, the, the war on drugs has been an absolute failure. Disaster. Yeah. Yep. Uh, One and a half trillion dollars. And you look at the, there's a graph and, you know, the, the addiction rates have, have not improved. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we have to cut it out with, with the incarceration. Absolutely. And, 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 and what we have right now is the worst of all possible worlds. It's expand granite hammer. Spend Medicaid money on treatment where no one knows where the money's going and there aren't any results, mm-hmm. and then prevent essentially any other options from coming to the table. Right. I, I would like to see, and this isn't something I could do as governor. I'd like to see, you know, I, personally, I'd like to see the cryptocurrency community that's really strong here in New Hampshire maybe come together and start doing some funding of of these types of initiatives voluntarily mm. uh, through private means. There was a, a group uh, called Pineapple, a Pan- Pineapple Foundation, or something. So some some person that has a bunch of Bitcoin gave out fifty five million dollars wow. in in charitable donations last year, just out of the blue. Nobody knows who the person is, but you know, huh. had an application process, found something he really liked, and said he was going to only give a million dollars per project, and I think decided to give you know a particular project a couple of million dollars. Wow! So I, I I think that there's an opportunity to here to show the power of what we can do voluntarily. Yeah, uh, I was I just talked to somebody yesterday who's been involved with the drug treatment situation and who's been involved with soup kitchens and, and even looking at the homeless situation. And, and she said to me, she said, she, she read this thing that I wrote on um, Medicaid expansion and everything else. She said, you're absolutely right. Th- th- this Medicaid expansion money isn't helping. And, you know, we have, they're called now frequent flyers, people that are coming in and out oh, yeah. of, uh, of treatment, Nar- Narcan parties. I mean, sadly, where, where people wow. are actually, you know, oh, I've, I, they, yeah, they, they, Take an overdose right at the Banchester uh, Public Library in the Rotunda in the, the bathroom that's right there. Then open the door. I actually saw it. Yeah, uh, you witnessed uh, yeah. that happen. Somebody, yeah. I'd seen somebody die in the army. <laughs> this person was like raised from the dead. And then I was told, because I, you know, I wrote, I was a freelance journalist for Yahoo. It was his second overdose that week. And then they're saying that they do it, you know, in a, in a public place like that. And it's just, it's, it's quite shocking, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's shocking, but I mean, kind of yeah. related to this is, you know, we, we I guess we kicked out this homeless camp or whatever. 
and um, in Manchester, and, yeah. and uh, the government was sent an eighty-five thousand dollar bill for hazmat to clean up. Oh, so, so, so I was talking to somebody who had huh. the idea of saying, "Well, look, you know, there are people that you know that are actually on you know welfare and other programs, and at the end of the month they need money. So why not pay them two bucks a bag of mm-hmm. trash to?" pick things up and to kind of clean things up. It's not $85,000. It's a voluntary solution. Right. Like, I think there's somebody doing this, just funding this yeah. as kind of a trial to say, hey, look, oh, really? <laughs> we don't need this government thing. Oh, and you know what happens when, when this person starts doing this? The cops show up. Uh, oh, you course. can't do that. Yeah. Oh, you want to give food to a homeless person, but you're not a dedicated soup kitchen? You're going to go to jail. The, so yeah. I, I, my big thing is the government has manufactured problems, subsidized things that don't work, and then, again, ban people. I'm more interested in the how do we get people engaged in solving these problems without the government, because the government isn't solving the problems. And I don't know what the answer to the opioid crisis is. No one does. But what that says to me is we need experimentation, and Mm -hmm. we need people that are passionate about it being funded from sources that are not something as utterly corrupt and, and bankrupt as Medicaid. And by the way, when you refer to Granite Hammer, so that's the is that the grant from the federal government to uh, to was, incarcerate more people, essentially? Is well, Granite that? Hammer was originally uh, Chief Willard and the Manchester PD did something, because when fentanyl came in, okay. and Manchester had to finance it originally, because there was no money. I thought it was for the state, though. It was for the city, specifically? Oh, I guess, was it? Uh, I thought the, it was a... I guess then they were the spearhead. Okay, well, and, which makes uh, sense. Yeah. It's the largest city in the state, yeah. Right. But I'll say another thing. I remember talking to people, because I've lived everywhere, and I yeah. remember New York, not just New York City, where I lived in the early 80s, but New York around Albany... And you're looking at all the conditions and, you know, you're actually looking and asking questions. Says, you know, this I've seen this happen before. What you're going to see is a whole industry just uh, be built over supplying this because there's so much money to be made. And then like in New York uh, State, I saw it. You know, when you have uh, somebody has to supply mattresses, so they buy a ten dollar mattress from the Dominican Republic and they charge a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And oh, the person I was telling that went off. Oh, you can't blah 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 blah. <laughs> Not when I see them, it's like sure. see because you've I've seen it before. You've seen it before. We had a mayor here, you know, touted who never did said a word until it became a campaign issue in a gubernatorial campaign two years ago. Oh, there's somebody coming in from. Sent her, ki- her son from California. Well, geez, that's not an advertisement for anything. You know what I mean? Right. Suddenly, for, um, uh, for better or worse, <laughs> suddenly we've got... Look what's... This crisis is suddenly here. Mm-hmm. We, bre- we created these, pla- these places because they said we have to. And then look what ca- came. And I'm not going to say... Whether this is a moral issue or not, I'm just saying simply two plus two equals four, not two plus two equals five. When the government economy says it does, right? Well, well, well so, so, so part yeah. of the issue with this is I, the Intercept had an article about the Democrat superdelegates, and they had a thing on oh, on Bill Shaheen, and it actually said Bill Shaheen and Gordon are are, are lobbyists for pain care and for the opioid industry. Okay. And that four out of five opioid addictions in New Hampshire start from these prescription drugs. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I was kind of shocked to, to see that that particular layout. But but again, you have the politicians 
making money on all aspects of this. Well, yeah, let's expand Medicaid. Let's do Metascam. It's going to give us more money for the budget. And then let's be lobbyists for the prescription drug industry. Mm-hmm. And then and then, and then then oh, let's yeah, be lobbyists your, for the treatment centers. All yeah. your base is covered. Yeah. Once again, we're in a casino. Because I can show you an actual peer-reviewed paper from 2015 where they're saying, no, people with long-term chronic pain that take opiates don't become addicted to it because there was always this movement for like 20 years of the prohibition. We don't want to treat pain. And I'm sure there was, a, there might yeah. be abuses with abuses. Cause you know, we had somebody on the show that was talking about these pill mills and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, but, so, well, so, so to that what point, do you believe? Well, so to that point, yeah. so, so again, so what are we doing? So we, we, we have lobbyists that are pushing yeah. the prescription drugs. We have the treatment centers that don't work. But then the other consequence of this is, you know, my mom passed away from cancer six years ago. Oh. And she was living in Florida at the time. And you mentioned pill mills. Yeah, because well, you said they were down south. There were lots of them. They were, they were yeah. cracking down on the pill mills. Well, she was dying of yeah. cancer and needed, oh, Aaron, that's and so needed the pain medication. Right. And she, she called me and was crying that she thought she was going to die in agony yep. yeah, because that, of this. There's it, a lot of stories like that. People but, can't get the, the medication they need anymore. They get cut off. Sometimes it's because doctors misunderstand the laws. I've seen that up close here in New Hampshire. They think that, uh, oh, I can't prescribe anymore, so now I have to cut this person off or wean them off. And then, you know, you find out later, well, no, that's not actually what what the legislature did. But what they did was so unclear and murky that there's all kinds of terrible consequences. This was true even before this big new opiate crisis. Because I know people, my father had cancer, and... There were people being under-medicated for pain, yeah. particularly at the end of their lives, yeah. where it's like, my God, you know, they're dying. But then you figure, well, if we, we get another month out of them, we have, you know, our outcome, which is measured in months, is so much better. Right. But people, because that's why I was looking into type of research like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, people, and that happened up at the VA. You know, suddenly Kelly Ayotte and Chris Sununu are hitting <coughs> the other Republican candidate for governor, Gatzis, and they're all in this, like, cat. and then they're attacking Hassan, and suddenly they cut off all the opiates up at the VA with all these old vets with chronic pain, the kids with the uh, TBI, you know, the traumatic brain injuries and everything, like, overnight, it's like, a lot and it's of the, politics. Yeah. A lot of the heroin addicts are vets. Then you go down to yeah. the Massachusetts, which well, they'll prescribe there before it became nationwide. But yeah. I, I'm just skeptical about this because I've seen over 45 years, and you know, it's mm. like well I, well, I mean, and I, yeah. I've seen it too. You know, my, my uncle yeah. was was in the in the military and had an injury, and you know, got addicted to prescription drugs, and he you ran can in, get it. Yeah, and, and he ran into a situation where. They wouldn't give him anymore, and so he, he actually shot himself strategically in the kneecap, Jesus. Wow. so that, that he could get pain meds. So I mean, I, I've I've you know I've seen this kind of kind of close up, and yeah. it's, a, it's a big issue. But I can tell you that the combination of what we're doing right now is the worst. It's nonsensical. Yeah, and it feeds on itself. It's like this cycle where everybody's going to make money off of it. <laughs> Well, that's well, that's true. I mean, the, the the whole drug war in the in the larger context, of course. All you know, you always always follow yep. the money. You know, you've got the private prison industry that that benefits from keeping those beds full with you know nonviolent drug offenders, <laughs> and and of course the pharmaceutical lobby who doesn't want cannabis to be legal because that cuts into their profits and, until they can figure it. They can figure it away. Right. And you've got law enforcement with you know civil asset forfeiture where the government gets to oh, just steal hideous. your stuff. <laughs> 
you know, so there's always, yeah, there's always a profit motive to this stuff. Yeah. And it's not so much the individuals aren't bad or anything that are involved in this. Right. But it's just you create this entire. Right. Yeah. Industry. That's what I call it. I saw it in the 70s, saw it in New York in the 80s. You know? and, and it is industry. The treatment yeah. center thing. I mean, you know, they're going to want to keep that going. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, it's kind of like with cancer medication and everything else. There's a, you know, a whole leveraging the FDA to, to you know, kind of slow down or, or discourage certain, certain, you know, cancer no, treatment. I had no idea they had pain centers that are just dulling this stuff up. Jenny in yeah. the uh, Facebook live chat says, I uh, need to get politicians out of the exam room. I agree. Yeah, yep. exactly. Do you support, uh, I mean, I assume you do, but I'll ask you, do you support going full legal with cannabis in New Hampshire? I do, but but I'm going to add, you know, one one caveat to this. I don't think we should heavily tax and regulate it. Uh, I, I, it's a plant. Right. I, I think it should be treated like a plant. I, so I think it should be legalized. And what I worry about. Sean Jasper will control it then. He's the, he's the <laughs> Secretary of Agriculture. But, 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 this is, but this is what I worry about. You look at, again, the size of government from $600 million to $6 billion. Uh, what I worry about happening, because this is what's been happening, is have you ever noticed if there's something that's considered a vice? You want to play poker in your house. Yeah. You know, you want to, you know, whatever. You want to consume alcohol. You want to you, you potentially have access to, to marijuana. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's awful. But when the state has a budget shortfall, yep. it's a monopoly. <laughs> yep. And then and then and then they use the proceeds from it f for the most asinine things. It's like, oh, we're yeah. going to use Kino for education. I mean, y right. you know, you just wouldn't come up with that kind of a, <laughs> a, of a pairing of something. But yeah, right. but they'll say it's for education. Then they'll they'll be for something else, even if they sell it for education. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, put it in the general fund oh, and yeah. uh, do with it what you will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> California had. So many taxes levied. Oh, it's a quarter percent sales tax for this. And then it yeah. actually winds up for something else. No, but it's yeah. interesting what you say, because I've been surprised at how many libertarians I've talked to who actually, um, they a little bit differently from what you say, they have told me that they actually prefer decrim, sticking with decrim to going full legal for exactly that reason. Because usually in states where you go full legal, you end up taxing and regulating, whereas they prefer not to do that. So and decrim tends to be kind of a de facto legalization anyway, because once yeah. you once you can't put people in prison for it, the police lose interest in uh, that was like really enforcing it. Yeah, but it, but then again, it was when they had like. Uh, medicinal marijuana, which was technically like decrim, oh, but it was only like in Northern California. Yeah, if you were free, but the LAPD would bus people, even continuing on. You yeah, know? well, and you'd have know, different regimes, and we'd have to be careful yeah. about this federal issue. Now, I, I thought I saw something yesterday where Trump was actually talking about the you tax. Know, uh, no, well, no, the but marijuana has uh, been taxed about de yeah. about making. The, deferring the marijuana issue to the states. Which is, he seems to be open to it, yeah. Th that's important because yeah. the, the one thing that, that we don't want to do is, is you know, put ourselves in a position where, you know, people in, in you know, in New Hampshire are getting thrown in jail, are no right. longer eligible for firearms, are going to lose, mm -hmm. you know, mm. access to, to being able to have certain kinds of jobs. And so, yeah. you know, I don't know why our current Democrat congressional, de you know, delegation isn't there, you know, fighting to get the, uh, right. the federal government out of it. But that would be... That that should go on, and I, I was encouraged and surprised to see that Trump is leaning in the right way on that. Is the idea of uh, taxing it completely off the table for you? I just wonder, because you look at a state like Colorado, who, <coughs> from all indications, they seem to be swimming in money. 
and 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 uh, they have no. I mean, forget about a budget shortfall. They're now giving rebates, from what I understand, uh, to the the taxpayers. So it seems to work out awfully well for them taxing it. I haven't looked at the full economic analysis, but anytime you increase the size of government, it, it's bad. I mean, I, I think we need to decrease the spending and the collections. Yeah. I mean, this I I think that because every time the government expands, it's killing off so many other possibilities that mm-hmm. could go on voluntarily. So yeah. so. I, you know, if if and if it were going to be taxed, it shouldn't be taxed any differently than any other plant. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think yeah. we should have a fair, consistent, low as low as possible tax rate, kind of across the board. I, I mean, I, this this is the other thing with this. You know, Republicans who say, "Well, we don't have an income tax, we don't have a sales tax," they're, like, they're holding on to this like it means something. Mm-hmm. Did you know we have a five point four percent tax on all hospital revenue? I didn't know that. No. I, this is a part, this is part of the whole meta scam Medicaid enhancement tax situation. Huh. So when you think about well, yeah, you know when you go to Walmart, you don't have to pay a sales tax. But well, how, how what, look at your budget? How much of your money are you spending yeah. on healthcare services? They get you one way or another. Yeah. So there's a meals tax. There's a room st- oh, room boy. tax. I mean, yeah. so, so, and property taxes, of course, I, uh, very very high. And those are outrageous. And so so you know again, we've gotten ourselves. I, it, what bothers me, and I get into a lot of arguments with within the liberty community. I'm like guys. Stop putting up these, you know, these calling these big wins and while ignoring the fact that we only have, you know, less than 10 years left and that the actual size of government is is growing leaps and bounds. We got to fix the if you were running a company, I look at this the same way. If I were running a company and looking at this, it's the equivalent of saying you wake up and you find out the cost of selling your product is twice uh, what you what you're selling it for. And everybody gets together and figures out how to get the best price on pencils yeah yeah um, so we have a call uh someone watching on facebook live of it again i don't oh, care hello i want to i have a really great question i want to ask mr day yes new Ham- it's well known new hampshire has a very serious mental health issue crisis going on and not only do we have a crisis it's gotten worse with the reduction in care providers and beds we've seen children who have had to spend a week in a hospital because there was no place to put them, and neither the Republicans nor the Democrats in Concord are doing anything to make the situation better. If anything, over the years, they have made it worse. For example, when they closed the children's only facility and moved them into the same facility as adults who are pedophiles and have mm. mental health issues. So I'd like to know, what are your plans, if you were elected governor, to get us out of this crisis and get mental health taken care of the way it should be. I would, I would really like to see, um, and I'm starting to talk to people about this. If there's a way to pursue private, to to pursue, to to pursue private solutions for this, because what she said, I I talked to somebody recently who, who has had mental health issues and, and in fact has been waiting for a year. Wow. A year to actually see a therapist. Wow! And and yeah. this and this person was you know was concerned about this and is actually involved with other people that have mental health issues. Kind of you know uh, as a, a day job is like kind of in this in this community and kind of seeing what's going on. And so she went to the powers that be to figure out what's with this backlog. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the person actually said to me, she's she said, you know, what do I have to do? A- adopt a meth habit in order to get to the top of the list so that I can see a therapist. And what she, and, 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 what she, and of course, and she and, and she was told no, that that won't actually help you. But but she was told if we got five therapists, we could clear the backlog, the whole the whole backlog. 
Now, I'm starting to just look into this, but I, this wouldn't surprise me if this is another one of these screw-ups where because of the certificate of need and hospital rooms and hospital beds and how many people you can have, if, mm. if, if we aren't actually prohibiting the hiring of this and that it's not even necessarily it's, – it's a financial thing but a regulatory structure thing. But I think that – I mean, how much would five therapists be? Mm-hmm. And well, is this something that yeah. we could and, – and if you could do this – go back to this $55 million pineapple fund. Why don't we get some of these Liberty people together and see if we can't come up with some solutions to this exact kind of problem? And I, and I bet we might, you know, fi- we're going to find that the government is going to not want us to even try. But yeah. it's still worth trying because I think that the mental health issue is a huge issue, and I don't see the government addressing it. I see it getting worse, right. more bureaucratic. Yeah. yeah. Let me uh, uh, chime in on this. Uh, New Hampshire has, is one of the states with the fewest psychiatrists. And probably uh, mental health professionals, too. But Mm. that's not unique to New Hampshire because psychiatrists, it's so all-paying. Very few MDs, relatively speaking, go into it. But New Hampshire lacks psychiatrists and probably psychologists with PhDs. And I know as a person dealing with complex PTSD problems in the Army and that, that there is a difference between a PhD who actually knows what they're doing, like with PTSD, and an MA. But there is a lack of trained Mm -hmm. personnel. That said, there might be other ways of doing it. The group therapy, which, but, you know, Jeff Cassell, who was a, it was a PhD and was up at the VA, asked me about that. But, of course, when he was there, I don't know if they use group therapy as much. Yeah. Of course, uh, Bob Newhart show, they, they, they did the <laughs> yeah, group yeah. therapy. Yes, they did. But there could be other approaches. Th- yeah. Because this thing. is something we all have to deal with, but the personnel. And we need to experiment because we obviously haven't cracked that code either. I yeah. mean, the other stat, I mean, not, not to, you know, I hammer snooty Telemedicine. Much, but, but, you know, like te- telemedicine yeah. and right. video conferencing. But, you know, I, you know, we've got the live free or die motto. And, you know, and I look at Sununu and I'm like, well, highest fentanyl death rate. Suicides up forty eight point three percent. I didn't yeah. know that. Wow, uh, that stat came out a week or so ago. I had no idea. Th- th- so this wow. is an yeah. absolute, an absolute crisis. And so, but we need again. This is why let's open up some voluntary solutions because we need to experiment. And the government is constrained and unable to experiment by yeah. by you know by the structure of, of the organizations and how they deploy money. Just, it can't work. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll start to wrap up, uh, shortly. It's, it's been almost an hour, but I, I do want to ask you uh, kind of a broad question, but, um, infrastructure, um, you know, we've got, I'm always hearing about the red listed bridges that we have in this state and the roads and, and a lot of places are terrible. Uh, it, any, uh, any thoughts on that, uh, uh, fixing the infrastructure? Because obviously that's, I know you don't want to spend money, but it's going to take a lot of money if we're going to actually fix all this. Well, you know, it's it's going to take money, but it, you know, it depends on the source of the funds and actually, you know, how, yeah. how much control does the governor even have over 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 this issue? But yeah, I, I, and I will say to that point, did you see this thing that Domino's is doing? I did. You know what? I didn't have a chance to read the article yet, but I saw it on Reason.com. Something about uh, roads. They're going to. So, so, so Domino's is going to do some kind of contest. I, I, I you maybe submit something or I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah. And they're going to actually go in and fill potholes. Yeah. In select cities that, that win this. And so, I mean, this is a constant libertarian, you know, debate. It's like, well, who, who, without, you know, big government, who, who will build the roads? Right. But, but, but again, this is another one of those things that no one would think about. If you think about things as the way that they've been done, 
no one would ever conceive of something like maybe Domino's would come in and as part of, you know, the business model and the PR thing, start fixing potholes. Yeah. Who knows what kind of other... Adopt the road, the potholes. Yeah. 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 I I mean, exactly. So I I think we should be open to that. And, you know, you, you mentioned reason. Uh, Bob Poole is somebody who was one of the founders of, of Reason, and you know, and he he actually heads up the transportation policy aspect over there, and has written extensively about about privatizing roads. And so, frankly, I think it would be interesting to explore completely new models on that because I th- I think we all know I sat in on a Bedford Town thing once, and I, you know, I it was like a million dollars per mile of sidewalk or something. I was just going through and looking at this. I'm like, all right, well, yeah. uh, you know, m- maybe we got to look- bond it like the city of Manchester, <laughs> bond uh-huh. it all. Yeah, well, and, 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 you know, and, and they did. So we, we and they are, you know, and I, so we, I think we need to be judicious about the way we analyze these things because right. we know that money tends to get. I see the same potholes getting filled mm-hmm. over, over and over and again. Over. I just it seems like there's a better way. Yeah, yeah, agreed, <laughs> agreed. Well, we'll start to wrap up. John, did you have any other questions for Aaron? Or oh, I just want to say one thing. Yeah. I was astounded. Elizabeth Roth brought it up. We were testifying about the I ninety three expansion. Having come from California, where an earthquake will drop an entire bridge, and you can they'll build it back, and a new highway, and like. 18 months that it takes 30 or 40 years just to expand i-93 i feel like my entire adult life they've been working on that yeah i've been back eight years eight and a half and they (laughs) we're gonna go 30 more years to do it it's like there's got to be a better way you gotta crack that whip yeah i I lived in florida for a while and and and, you know i-95 was just absolutely horrible and i just remember i remember seeing this meme and it's from Back to the Future. Yeah. And he comes back and he says, Marty, you know, I've come from 2050. They're still working on I-95. <laughs> oh, forever, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, yeah. again, we need some innovation, even with roads. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. Well, Aaron, this has been great. It's great to see you. And please uh, tell the listeners uh, where they should go online, if, if you have a website for your campaign and social media that we need to know about and all that stuff. Uh, sure. I, I have a rough website which i'll be updating it uh, next week but day4nh.co okay and then you can reach me by email ardventures at gmail.com and then i'm also on facebook so you can just type in you know aaron day for nh okay uh, f-o-r-n-h and and my candidate page will pop up and that's actually where i'm the most active in terms of frequency of yeah. communication yeah okay and do, do you have any events or anything coming up any campaign events or anything like that i, I yeah. do i do i'm scheduling uh, i want to do a, one a big event in each of the five executive council districts and so oh, okay. I, and so i have one coming up uh, my first one is on august the 4th in northwood um from uh i believe it's noon to two o'clock okay so that's going to be the first the first big one and then uh and then we're going to continue from from there yeah. All and, right. and so I'll be updating and putting a schedule of other places where I'll be speaking and other events that I'll be attending. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, John, thank you for your help tonight. Thank and, uh, you. Thank you to Jenny for uh, calling in. And for those who uh, watched live on Facebook on Thursday night, thank you. And everybody else listening on Friday, I uh, hope you enjoyed this. And uh, this will be available, of course, at WMNHradio.org after it airs during the live show. And hopefully, Aaron, we can get you in on uh, on a live one uh, sometime. Absolutely. Whatever. I w- would love to. Yeah. Love yeah. To. yeah Maybe absolutely. we can do it too for uh you could be on if you can make a tuesday then you can come on my show oh that's right which is seven to eight on tuesdays yeah on uh, channel 23 yeah yeah Yeah, that sounds great all right great all right aaron day candidate for governor thank you so much thank you ipmnation.com
Imagine your new bathroom. A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 